Hey there, party people. This is Queer Watching. We are two queers coming at you from opposite coasts of the U.S. We're going to talk about all things film and television with Queer Lens. I am Jesse here with my best pal, Brianna. And today we're talking about Anything's Possible. Anything's Possible is a 2022 coming-of-age rom-com directed by Billy Porter and written by Zamina Garcia Luciona. Pardon, I don't, I, that's, that's my best, that's my best. Subpar. Okay, you want to give it a go? Simena <laughs> Garcia Luciana. There we go. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, so that is our writer. This film was released uh, July twenty second, twenty twenty two, on Amazon Prime, and the IMBD description is a delightfully modern Gen Z coming of age story that follows Kelsa, a confident high school girl who is trans as she navigates through senior year. So Brianna and I watched this mm, a couple of days after it came out on streaming together. We both rewatched it for the pod. So Brianna, first thoughts on anything's possible? Before I get into that, I feel like that was the day, the day that we first watched this movie. That was the day that the idea of the podcast was born because then we watched Boy Meets Girl, um, which is another movie about a, a trans love story uh, or that centers a trans love story. And we went back and forth in heated disagreement about the quality of those films. And then we were like, we should do a podcast. So thank you very much uh, for Anything's Possible for starting this amazing venture with my friend. Spoiler alert, we will be talking about the film. So if you haven't watched it, uh, please stop listening and come back when you have. You asked me what my thoughts were the second time around, right? Yep. It is very Gen Z. Uh, that was one of my comments as I was watching. I was like, oh my gosh, this this movie makes me feel old. And it brings up a lot of feelings for me because I really love the idea. I love that it simultaneously centers transness, but also makes transness uh, like periphery topic. Um, because it's essentially a rom-com, a high school rom-com that kind of reminds me of like High School Musical. When I go back and watch those, I cringe. And then also the writing and the acting, I felt like was a letdown uh, in many ways. And so I have many thoughts and feelings that were almost reiterated with the second watching. But did the second watching change anything for you, Jess? Um, I think like most second watchings, now that you know what's happening, it's a lot easier to be critical on a second watching. So um, I think there are, there's plenty to critique here. I don't think uh, it lacks in, in things that I, I would have personally done differently and, um, you know, some questionable decisions here or there. But I think that if I had seen this movie as a 17-year-old, like these people, these uh, high school seniors are supposed to be I think I would have loved it I think before I was watching movies critically and seeing a trans love story would have been like that would have been amazing right in, so <laughs> in 2008 this would have been ground to be breaking yes and I would have been obsessed right we had some other movies that came out that we watched last senior year that were not my favorite such as super bad um so you know <laughs> i'd love to see something <laughs> like this right some trans representation obviously um is cool and that's that's the that's the biggest thing about this right i'm i'm jazzed that this is a story and centers on a trans lead um co-lead i would say would have been a little cooler to see solo lead but um you know that's okay then you so, wouldn't have a love story would you would it be um, a rom-com does it have to have two leads to be a rom-com oh i feel like we could debate this because <laughs> we'd have to like look at i mean if we look at bros i would say both of those are leads i would say they're co-leads yeah i guess that's true maybe i'm just being really selfish and i just want <laughs> only trans people on my screen <laughs> i think the difference would be like who is telling the story is more of the lead so like kelsa in this movie is more of the lead because she's the person that we first meet billy bobby billy from bros the main character that we talked about last yes week. yes 
is the main character in that movie because he's the one we're first introduced to. Yeah, I think there's a way to have a love story and it's still center on only one part of the narrative. I understand it might not give you the balance that you want perhaps in a rom-com, but like the scenes of like Khaled at home, you know, if we don't have those, then I'm doing my best. Khaled. <laughs> Khaled. <laughs> I, I, okay, Khaled. Um, I think then it like feels much more like Kelsa's movie than uh, Kelsa and Khaled's movie. Thanks. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, you've already brought up some of the characters, so talk to me about the second time around, what you thought of the characters that we saw. Well, it sort of depends on the character. I think in this movie we have some deplorable characters, and boy, are they deplorable. I friggin' hate them. They're the worst, right? M and Otis, (laughs) like, I just, by the end, when there's the fight, and Otis is going to get punched. I think it's for everyone's well-being that Otis just go ahead and get punched. Because he is the fucking worst. <laughs> Honestly. So that was actually something I really did not like about this movie. Um, granted to me at Saving Grace was that there were a bunch of black and brown characters in this mm-hmm. movie. The main character, Kelsa, is a black woman. Mm-hmm. and But it still really bothered me that the two people who were the most transphobic and the most problematic were black characters. I felt like it was very much playing into the stereotype of black men with Otis. Um, And I I just really felt let down and disappointed by the decisions that were made with his character. Uh, I felt like there could have been so much more done with him that would have been better and still been like moving the plot forward. I don't necessarily feel like we needed the transphobia to be the conflict. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Honestly, a scene that comes to mind that kind of just backs up what you're saying is when they're in the principal's office and M's mom also kind of joins them in the like deplorable category by being team turf, right? Team turf Mm -hmm. alert. And in my experience, it's usually white women that are team turf. I don't know. I don't know if that's just because I'm white. <laughs> but uh, I thought, I felt some of what you're saying in that scene as well, right? Like, it is unfortunate that a lot of these roles of the people that we really hate character-wise here are all seem to be Black people. And that's that's a huge bummer. Yeah. Or, like, the, the villainous can be something else. I found, like, it was... For me, his character very much brought me back to like high school when we were there, like 2009, like saying that's so gay and and just being like really close-minded. I, again, I know these people do exist. They don't necessarily exist in my circle because I am one of those folks that surround myself with people that I don't want to slap in the face. Um, but it just seemed very already done. Um, I also thought that they were trying to really play up his lack of intelligence by like essentially being like, oh, thanks for getting me into a community college. I wouldn't have been able to do it without Khaled, Um, how he was holding the pencil. To me, it was, it came off as like, this man is unintelligent or like not smart in the way in which academics wants us to be smart. And that's, why he's this problematic like that he's not smart enough to be non-problematic and I just his character bothered me more than his transphobia because I was like there's just no no he was just a poorly done character in my opinion yeah and he held that pen like he was hanging on for dear life it was like a second grader (laughs) I it was all I could look at yeah like it was his last lifeline I don't know I agree. Every single thing that character does is was maddening. But I also wish I had seen, and I wonder how you feel about this, that like when Khaled starts dating Kelsa, Otis comes up and is like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? And to me, that also could have been an opportunity to like have a conversation because not for nothing, like this is supposed to be his best friend. And then out of left field, he just starts dating somebody. 
transness aside, if you just started dating somebody and hadn't told me anything about the person, I'd be like, bro, what the fuck? Like, tell me, talk to me, what's going on? Um, so I also missed that like conversation, but I get that the conversation probably wasn't going to be fruitful. So why waste time having it? But still. It does feel like a missed opportunity a little bit. He does kind of say like, hey, <laughs> are you gay? You can tell me. And he just says whatever. So doesn't even try. Yeah. It was probably looked over just to keep the movie going along. Um, I just feel like he could have still had that conversation and him not have understood. And like, there's a way to give the audience that conversation without Otis understanding what he's saying, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I also, I also feel like it was just kind of a, we understood that he expected to lose this friend when he started dating Kelsa, but from a friend perspective, he really got no explanation. He really got no, he didn't know that the relationship had ended or that he had not been chosen in a dichotomy he didn't even know was existing. And so I think from Otis's standpoint, I do not get the transphobia and I don't condone that, but I get the, what the fuck? Because our understanding was that it was Cal and Oates or Cal and Otis, like Colin and Otis. Yeah. Um, So inseparable to then, I'm not even going to give you a conversation, which I feel like naturally leads me then to my frustration with like the lack of development with M's character. I get that we're supposed to be like, yay, high school girls are so catty. So of course she would be all up in arms over uh, her best friend liking the guy that she liked first off. First off. Fucking no. This girl like had it said she had a crush on him for months, but only told her best friends. Oh, like a week before this guy started liking Kelsa and then was like, oh my God, you're dead to me. And then went completely right with her transphobia. Like this wasn't just, oh, I don't want to associate you with you because you're trans. This was, I'm going to get you kicked out of the locker room because I don't feel safe because you're a man. And I just, and I was like, aren't you supposed to be this person's best friend? So again, we just see the weaponizing of a trans person's biggest fear. And I wanted more development of their friendship beforehand. I don't know. I was just unsatisfied. Yeah. She sort of has that realization in the principal's office, right? Where she's like, no, I'm not you, mom. Like, this isn't me. But like, kind of too little too late, honestly, at that point, right? We've done so much damage. So much. Yeah. At that point, it doesn't really matter. It's like, yeah, this is the least you could do because we hate you now. <laughs> so, yeah, these friendships crumble quick. Like, like they fall hard and fast. And maybe we just can't relate because we're still best friends. But I was like, how these aren't very stable friendships if they crumble from like, I don't know, one less than one year relationship i don't know this is these aren't that sturdy then and like you know maybe that's not really a thing for most people in high school but yeah i had the same thought but we were sturdy as shit like (laughs) i put in effort to be your best friend and then you reciprocated said effort (laughs) once we got to college (laughs) but i think there's obviously so many differences because one's real and one's not but like there are a lot of conversations that go into maintaining that. And we don't see any of that on screen, right? Like, mm-hmm. these friendships are not something we're actually really privy to. They're just already established and we're along for the ride. Yeah. Because um, even later when her friend Chris thinks she's helping and supporting her by, like, leading that protest through the bathroom, with the bathroom thing, right? Which I personally would have been like, yeah, right on. <laughs> Thanks so much. But you know, Kelsa doesn't feel supported by her. They never talked about it. They clearly don't have open lines of communication. Yeah. And I think that was the perfect example of white folks thinking that they know how to advocate on behalf of black and brown communities and like non, she says, so, and trans communities, when in reality, what they're doing is advocating 
four. Like they're like, no, no, I got this. Let me take the soapbox. And we're like, no, no, no. Why don't you ask us what we need and then support us that way? Don't assume. Yeah. Um, which was really just frustrating. Yeah. It also does seem difficult to be friends with Kelsa a little bit, mostly in that she doesn't seem to be able to ask for help, right? Or support in any way that, um, I don't know. She she would she would assuredly need right. She can't do everything on her own. She's seventeen. No one can do everything on their own. So, you know that I'm sure that <laughs> I don't know that made sort of sense of people just like desperately trying to help her because they can't they can't get through to be like how can I help you or have her reciprocate that. So then that just brings up a whole box of worms for me, and I feel like loops back nicely to the like the themes that were shown in this movie one of them being braveness Mm -hmm. and Kelsa, which by the way, we find out means brave in the movie is really anti the narrative of like, I'm brave because I'm trans, but then falls into what I feel like is the archetype of what we understand braveness to be of the, like not needing anybody and just kind of like, going the world by yourself and so she winds up living this like braveness that she doesn't want to ascribe to when in reality it is brave to need people it is brave to be vulnerable with people and it makes me think about because again I don't know if I said this last podcast but I am trained as a social worker and so I always think about things from like a, a mental health but and also like social work lens But what happened in her life to feel the need to not be able to trust anybody? And one thing that comes to mind is when her mom is talking about the divorce with her dad. Mm -hmm. And it made me wonder, I'm like, okay, at what point in this human's life did this divorce happen? Because divorces occurring at different times in the life can really impact a human in different ways. So we see that she felt like it was her fault And that she was the reason why her dad wasn't there, which is just brutal to think. But then learning that, like, you need to just kind of, like, be self-sufficient. You need to not need anybody. You need to, like, brave this world by yourself. And so I thought it was really interesting just kind of the way she embodied that while also, like, trying really hard to not acknowledge that that was who she was and what she was doing. Yeah, which is a little silly because it feels super obvious as audience member that like multiple characters try to help her and she's like, no, you don't know what I need. It's like, okay, well, do you know what you need? Because if you do, feel free to communicate it. On the topic of the dad plot line, I really wish that had been a little more of a thing. I feel Mm. like it was her great big trauma that we never really got to be privy to. It was like a secret with her and her mom. I don't that was a little odd. I agree. I feel like they simultaneously tried to make her trans identity, like I was saying earlier, like periphery or like not a big thing, but then also was like, but no, then this is going to be the focus. And so then we're just going to sprinkle these other things on the side and still related to transness where like, it would have been great in my mind to be like, no, parents of trans kids, also get divorces like hello 50 something percent of families end in divorce so like trans folks can have other traumas it doesn't need to be their transness and i think that was a missed opportunity here yeah i totally agree um would here be a good spot for my rant about dr celine or (laughs) yes but i just want to make one more comment that i remembered what i was going to say earlier was comparing this to bros where we saw older couple and the way in which they were able to communicate their self-awareness and their knowledge of themselves and their needs versus this movie where we see younger folks and lots of almost like toxicity rather than communicating through their Mm -hmm. feelings or like being mindful of who's around when you give somebody flowers like all of that is not done and so it very much gave that like young vibe And it was interesting to watch after watching healthier communication. Yes, this does very much read teen movie 
both in some of the ways you know the it's shot both in some of the uh script and also some of just the character development or lack thereof i mean <clears throat> i at 17 also would have done some of this similar stuff <laughs> so. i would have been petty as shit yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but circling back to dr celine take okay. us away jesse yes so it's established that kelso's mom has patience right you brianna pointed out in the notes that her license plate says doctor to you. And yet through the entire movie, no one fucking refers to her as Dr. Celine or Dr. whatever their last name is that's mentioned once or twice and I forgot. And it's so bothersome. The second time watching it, the whole way through, I was like, doctor, that's doctor to you. I just, I don't understand why the film does not make a point to celebrate how freaking successful mom is slash Dr. Celine because... I don't know. That's badass. She's a yeah. good doctor. She's got patience. She's counted as a single mom. Dr. Celine to you. It gave me wannabe Rainbow Johnson vibes. I don't know if you seem blackish, but she's constantly like, oh, I'm a doctor. And Dr. Rainbow Johnson is like, it's a running joke throughout the movie or throughout the show. She's just like so adamant about it. And like rightfully so. She's worked really hard. But I also think that like that is her license plate saying like that's doctor to you or whatever it says is a nod at the fact that like oftentimes black women in the medical field are just assumed to be the nurse or assumed to be a supportive role rather than like the leading role. So I a hundred percent support the that's doctor to you license plate like that. If I saw that, I'd be so happy. I'd be like, yes. Yes. But the license plate was not enough to me. I need it in the script. I need it to come out of somebody's mouth. I or like we also don't see any scenes of her at the office like we don't see her in the white coat she doesn't get that like any more credit as to she's a motherfucking doctor <laughs> so I don't know that was something I put in my notes very dramatically and came up for me multiple times yeah <laughs> she deserves yeah. that credit <laughs> I feel like in the office in the principal's office at the end where the moms are going back and forth. And then that really awkward white principal is like not doing anything because he's clearly outnumbered. Um, I feel like it would have been perfect if he'd been like Miss Renata or whatever her name is. Mm -hmm. uh, and she would have been like, that's doctor. And I'm like, yeah. Exactly. That's where I wanted it most. That is absolutely where I wanted it most. Or when the other mom was talking to her, she'd be like, that's doctor so-and-so to you. Like mm -hmm. we can, you know. <laughs> We've just abandoned all attempt of remembering the last name. Yeah. Yeah. Should have written that down. But Should have written it down. It's okay. Um, yeah. I am so thankful for the mom character in this movie. But time and time again, she is hands down the best actress, um, actor in the, in the whole thing, really, to me. And I think a lot of the key lines from the trailer are things she says. And she has a line in the principal's office. And she's talking to the other mom. And she says... You're a danger to your daughter with that attitude. Mm -hmm. She's not free until all of our daughters are free. And like just some of the more profound stuff that's said and then works the mm -hmm. way that it's said in this movie is because of her. So I think, honestly, she, she's the standout for me and just mm -hmm. does a lot of the a lot of the work of this movie, I think. I agree, honestly. Uh, she's just phenomenal, like gives comedic relief. One of my favorite lines is when Kelso's YouTube channel has been discovered by the mom because the fight that happened has gone viral and blah, blah, blah. Um, and she's like, say shit to me one more time in this house. Because honestly, there was just a lot of children getting to talk back in ways that I don't know if it's okay. It was like a lot of, they could say whatever they wanted. And I feel like that was a little bit resolved with that conflict and with the like law of averages conversation that they have. Um, and I know we were talking about that. So before I delve further, talk to me about what your feelings are around the law of averages and how they executed it. Yeah, I'm going to make you talk about it. <laughs> great, 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 great. So I have some mixed feelings. I don't hate the idea. The idea of being like, hey, you're just doing this to me because I'm trans and I want to be treated normal. So like, this will help me feel that way if I like point out the times where like, this isn't a normal experience. 
However, I don't know that it's super realistic to ask. Like, sometimes you have to have those conversations. Kind of going back to what you just said about talking back, these options that these kids seem to have, the option to talk back, the option to say, I'm not going to share this stuff, is a little unfamiliar to me because those are not really options. <laughs> so I can't really relate to them. I like some of the ideas, but I think ultimately when the mom is like, law of averages doesn't apply, right? That That's a fallacy. I'm pretty sure is exactly what she says. Because, you know, the only way that you can have, again, these open communications are to ask some of these questions. And I don't know, she's her mom. Like, who else is going to ask those questions? And then during that conversation comes the gem of a line of the things that make you extraordinary don't make you difficult to love. I can only imagine what hearing that as even just a human who feels like you're difficult to love, how that would land. Like that's so validating because oftentimes we do feel like we're too difficult to love. And I think it was a great like kind of conclusion to that conversation because she was saying like you can be extraordinary you don't have to be average your identities make you not average and that's amazing and so our relationship is going to be unique however reiterating what you said a child and a parent relationship is always going to have a level of safety and parents are always going to need to know more information than their children might want to share. Obviously there's caveats in this statement, but like, I agree. Kelsa keeping an entire YouTube channel to herself. Yeah. I am surprised the mom didn't smash the computer. That would probably be an overreaction, but so much danger on the internet. Yeah. The line that you're talking about, the, the thing that makes you different doesn't make you hard to love that landed for me that was one of the few emotional beats where i was like oh it got me right i know some of the more like cute couple stuff got you in ways that it did not get me but you're a love hater jesse <laughs> no there's just a certain level of cheese on this one that i couldn't quite get behind some of those mom lines were were very powerful to me that being one of them honestly or you know as a trans man i was like you're right you're right mom you're totally right i'm not crying she really delivered a lot of like the the quality moments that and some of the humor that i feel like made oh. the movie endearing agreed when the boyfriend came over and she was like you may think you're alone but i have cameras everywhere all over the place they can see everything okay have a good time that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I laughed at that. Which also brings up um, something that I wanted to touch on. I also want to make sure we go back to the YouTube videos and stuff like that. But the scene when they first get to be alone and they're like making out, get hot and heavy on the couch. We're not even going to talk about the time she slid down the fucking grass hill in her white jeans. Because Ooh, hello stains. grass stains <laughs> and hello awkward yep. shit acting. Yep. Saying something is awkward does not make it less awkward I digress but after the best friend Chris is like banging on the window Khalid essentially is like I like all of you and like tries to be very intentional about saying like navigating consent and navigating bodies and all this stuff and essentially trying to reaffirm that he loves and likes all of who she is as a cis person, I my I feel like my read of this scene might be very different, but I felt like that could have been done differently, not entirely sure how, but I I took it as like he's trying to say, I also like your genitals and I'm okay with doing anything sexual with your genitals. Like I'm not turned off by that to like give her that affirming moment. And my perspective was like, well, I sure should hope you do because you're dating her. So I don't necessarily know if I feel like that scene added something or if I feel like 
it could have been done differently, but I just felt like it was a little missing the mark. That part felt, mm, I don't know what the word is. I keep wanting, the word that comes to mind is pandering, but I don't think that's right. It was for the audience, again, to be reminded in a way that they didn't need to be. I don't hate that scene, but I, I don't hate it after what you're talking about, because after that, they're talking kind of a little bit more about Kensai, and he asks, what do you like? And she says, I don't know yet. So that part I really like because that's navigating, you know, just pleasure for both of them. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it has nothing to do with gender. The answer could be so many things for everyone. So mm -hmm. that part I really liked. To me, that first part you're talking about could have hit the edit floor. Uh, you know, we don't need that. That's been established in all of this. He's watched her videos. He knows she's on hormone blockers and not on estrogen yet. Maybe he's unfamiliar with the typical path, but like, Sounds like from his Google search, he's figured it out. So yeah, it was super unnecessary, that part you're talking about. Yeah. I also feel like as someone who's bisexual, like the idea of thinking about sexual acts with different genitalia is not foreign to me. And having that conversation to me can just be a frank conversation with the person that I'm dating. Um, and like, if I'm not there yet with certain acts, then like, being like, okay, I can think about this. I can like give me time and see where I go. But like, it wouldn't be done in the, I like all of you kind of language. Again, I'm not 17. So maybe I was going to say, 17. do you think you could have these conversations at 17? <laughs> it's really, it's really hard for, because honestly, a little bit, just because do you remember how much I talked about sex and like yes. how much I talked about genitals <laughs> yes. when I was 17? I feel like, yes. <laughs> so yes. you're fine you're fine but I feel like flashbacks back in school I could have been maybe not navigating it that gracefully but would have been fine talking about sex with genitals and not phrased it in the like it feels like gestures to all of you to quote the how to train a dragon you mentioned the YouTube videos yes. um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are I know you hated the Reddit. I already saw your comment. You're like, Reddit, don't don't solve your problems there, bro. That's not gonna happen. It's but... just uh yeah. It's just that's um that's a risky that's a risky move. But what are your thoughts on Kelsa having a YouTube channel? I, as a trans man, am a little tired of the I'm trans and have a YouTube channel. Um, I feel like Every trans person does it, and I just don't care to watch anyone's ever again. Not to, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just <laughs> a different place. Look, I think that they're fascinating. If you if you want to document your journey, go for it. I just, I've seen a million of them, and I don't, it's not original to me. And I want something fresh. And I understand that that might be difficult, especially because YouTube videos are used at a, as a, a convenience for this movie to get a lot of information to us mm -hmm. without actually having to have any conversations. Khalid, as he gets to know Kelsa on Google, um, can just watch her YouTube videos and learn about her being on hormone blockers and some of these other things and experiences she's had. So that's why they're there in the movie. But it just doesn't feel very original to me, I guess. Do you think, and this is just a random thought that came to me, that he needed to watch those videos to confirm his attraction or like confirm his crush? Or do you feel like he would have been able to date her without that knowledge or like without knowing anything other than she's trans? Because we're also supposed to believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that like she's been going to different grades with these kids. So like everyone knows she's trans. Yeah. Okay. That does seem like the the implication. I don't know that it's ever clearly addressed, but that was definitely my understanding, which is seems realistic, right? I mean, if you've yeah, if you've grown up in the same city and you haven't moved all around, then yeah, it doesn't really matter unless you start real real early or something. Like people people are gonna know. So, do you think the videos like helped Halid like 
Kelsa more or like confirm his crush for her more? Or do you think that like, they were just like, a, Oh, I found this and I want to know things about you, but I'm awkward because I'm 17 and I don't know how to ask. I wouldn't say that they confirmed his crush anymore. I think, I think that was clear enough. I think they were mostly used for the audience to, mm. <clears throat> to fill in those blanks for us. And in some ways I'm grateful because, uh, that would have been one of my questions as you know seeing a 17 year old transitioning is like why are you doing hormone blockers and like more out of my own curiosity of of people who have figured it out you know in high school like what is that journey like because mine was a little bit after so i didn't have any of that let's be clear those questions are not appropriate to ask someone you don't know (laughs) or if you are cis jesse would be curious to ask that because that's not when his journey started hormonally yes Yes. I also would not just walk right up and say, hey, hormone blockers. Yeah. It's not a great small talk conversation. Yeah. Total. This is my own (laughs) trans curiosity. I feel like we have to do disclaimers when talking about identity. That's super fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, So something that bothered me about her YouTube videos is that they were all like a minute and 27 seconds long and they had no ending. So like the last move, the last video she puts up is that like she is some type of hawk that transitions its feathers. Like some boy hawks can transition their feathers to be a different color to look like girl hawks and that she was that beautiful hawk. I think it's a marsh harrier. Sure. It <laughs> looked like a hawk. It's some bird. I'm sorry. Cool. I'm, a little, I'm a couple tequilas in. But then the video just stops. No outro, no nothing. And if I was watching her content and it just ended, I have some editing issues with that, but that's just me. You like a good fade out? I do, or like some context. Like, thanks for watching. Check out my next video. I don't know. All right. It's good. Why don't you go find them and comment on those YouTube videos? Do you think they actually made them? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, fine. Um, okay, I'm just gonna not transition well here and talk about Holland's parents. Okay? Okay. I'm confused why technical college is so shameful, especially when he's talking about like a skilled trade here. He just wants to save on student loans. This was this was um, mind-blowing stuff for me. I was like, this guy's got a great head on his shoulders. I don't understand. It sounds like when he's talking about the drawings, he's talking about CAD drawings. You know who makes CAD drawings? Engineers. And I don't understand how in this plan, being an engineer from a technical college is a shameful thing. So, Brianna, help me understand. You seem to have some insight here. I have a different opinion than you. But before that, somebody that I know was at a happy hour once with a whole bunch of engineers and one of the engineers had the audacity to say that they believed that engineers were the like worst or least compensated for their degrees and as someone who's actively searching for a job do you know how many engineer like entry-level engineer roles I see that are like 120,000 to start least compensated my ass anyways looking at a social worker who's applied to jobs with $45,000 starting salaries I digress I think it's I have a different opinion than you do because of the environment that you and I grew up in the environment that you and I grew up in were shoving four-year colleges down our throat that was the only thing that trade schools were not an option even if they were certificates a certificate is not as good that was the the narrative that was given to us, like certificates were not as good as degrees. You get a degree, then you're going to be in college or then you're going to be employed. So I do think that it's understandable because Khaled is showing the perspective of a younger generation, of a generation that now understands that a lot of college degrees need other college degrees to get you good salaries. Like a four-year degree does not beget six figures. Yeah. However, certificates, hands-on experience, technical college still being a degree gets you jobs and the money. So I think it was a good example of differences in generational views because their perspective was probably what their parents told them. Boy, that's that's a rough go. I just don't understand how the end result is an engineer 
and your parents are like, no, go get your four-year art degree, son. I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, the people I know in my life who have taken these things made money with them. Mm-hmm. I have an art degree, have not made a lot of money. I have friends that are engineers. They've made a lot of money. I just don't. I know that money's not the only measure, but. But still. Yeah, I just don't. This That was baffling. Baffling mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, since I had touched upon the ending a little bit ago, do you want to talk more about how you felt about the ending? Yes. I would have loved to see this in good old-fashioned rom-com style have a happily ever after ending. I know that that's tough senior year of high school to be like, and we were together forever. But I think you could have left it ambiguous here. I think the tone in the beginning is very, like, it is very happily ever after, right? It's kind of like a magical tone when the movie opens. Everything is like glittery and bedazzled and my best friends are getting me through and everything's, you know, popping. I don't know. It's very... It's that magical tone. And I would have loved to see the ending kind of come back to that magical tone. Again, especially like thinking of like some of the trans youth watching this, like it's okay to give them a, it can last forever rom-com. You know, I feel like cisgendered people have thousands. And so, you know, I would love maybe the next one, I guess we can try to check that box, but that's what I would have loved to see. I mean, I'm just saying Boy Meets Girl has that ending. And. Okay. And. I have and, to save that for that episode. I yes. have some thoughts. I know you have some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but also. What was weird to me about this ending versus Boy Meets Girl ending is because. Both of these main characters. Come from upper middle class if not wealthy families so when they're talking about like doing long distance and they're like well it would basically only be thanksgiving and then this and then this and then we'd meet somebody else and we'd fall in love and we'd hurt each other i'm like you act as if you wouldn't have the financial means to visit each other that there's not other ways of staying connected and if there was other reasons, like if you just didn't want to be connected and you wanted to be able to explore yourself, like that's one thing. But I felt like it took a very archaic view of long distance relationships when I'm like, so many queer and trans folks do long distance relationships. Like I know so many of them. Um, and I brought up the Boy Meets World because, or Boy Meets Girl, not Boy Meets World, because they weren't from that like well-to-do family. They were from very low economic family and they were still like, yes, let's, give this a go let's go into the unknown together so i feel like if you have that type of privilege this was not the way that i thought the movie was going to go yeah and when i watch boring teen rom-coms that are senior year or whatever like i don't want them to end up together because that's real life but because i think this is like the only one you know or one of the very very few i'm like just give us the happy ending okay so much queer content doesn't have a happy ending and like big change right we're seeing a big change but like mm-hmm. just give me the glitter at the end give me the happily ever after ever after his technical college is right next to the college of her dreams i don't know they had seven dogs and lived happily ever after whatever it is you know <laughs> i would have loved it also you keep mentioning all this glitter can we briefly touch on just like the lovely eye makeup and the outfits and like costume design was great for this movie I genuinely loved all of the eye makeup and the outfits. Asterisk. These are not clothes high schoolers would be allowed to wear. Unless <laughs> there's been some drastic changes. I yeah. No, no. So that was, I'm like, there's so much midriff. There's so much shorts beyond the fingertips. But I did love it. I thought it was, they were all great choices. Yeah. And I really loved What's Her Face's outfit. At the M's outfit at the very end when they're in the uh in the principal's, principal's office. office. Yes. yes. Great. That one was like oh, my favorite breathtaking well. outfit. Agreed. Yeah. I think the eye makeup was especially or the makeup in general was especially perfect because it was really good, but also had a still like the hint of high school to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like a still like a yeah, I'm trying. You know, like it it just had like the right, I don't know. The makeup artist understood the assignment, I think. 
it reminded me of Casey's makeup because I don't know if you remember in high school, but she used to always wear like blue, pink, green, oranges, like really colorful eyeshadows and, and eyeliners. And I was always enamored by them. Um, so yes, not nearly as many like liquid painted on designs, but still. Yeah, one more thought before we before we do awards. Give me that last thought. Cool. So there is a weird what looks like afternoon dance party that's all in daylight Whoa. that I just wanted to touch yes. on. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. The implication seems to be they're drinking. I can't remember if there's a keg or there's at least red solo cups. And what's that about? Okay. <laughs> is that what kids do now? Is that like a 3.30 p.m. kegger? Parents, my parents and Jesse's parents, if you're listening, please turn off the podcast now. Okay, do you not remember the parties that we th- If we had been able to have access to our houses at 3 p.m., I don't think it was after school. I think it was on a weekend because it was just after what it was just after Kelsa and Khaled were making out. That's when Chris was banging on the windows. And then the next scene is them going to a party. So I feel like it was probably a weekend. It was probably early in the weekend, like in the day, and they were just getting drunk. I thought it was normal, but yes, it was also weird. So weird. A dance party with the sun coming through the blinds? I just couldn't handle it. I mean, they're too young to like day drinking. Also, though, (laughs) the fact that they were carrying umbrellas and it wasn't fucking raining drove me crazy. Drove me crazy. Oh, you are still from here. I am. (laughs) Stupid East You Coasters. are still an umbrella hater. <laughs> I am an umbrella hater through and through. So you want to do awards or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially because I'm just very excited about the last award that we haven't actually talked about. So I'm going to take it from here. We've already spoilered ourselves for two out of three of our awards. Uh, so without further ado, the award for favorite character goes to Dr. Celine for really holding down this movie, making quality moments and lots of laughs. And being a doctor. (laughs) And looking like she's 35 and has a 17-year-old. This actress is 51 years old. Jesse was mind blown when he found out. So yes, she's aging great. Um, Doesn't look 51. (laughs) Doesn't look, I hope I look that good at 51. Um, the second award, which we've already talked about is for best outfit. And that clearly goes to M in the scene of the principal's office where she's wearing just this beautiful outfit, yellow, green, her hair is done great. Makeup is done great. There's a little purple tutu underneath it to give it that extra little flounce. Perfect. Congratulations, M. Our last theme is, sorry, our last award is four themes and the award for who embodies the theme of empowerment the most goes to Kelsa. <laughs> Jess, do you want to talk a little bit about why? Yeah, yeah. Pretty obvious choice here, but you know, we can critique this movie till kingdom come, but I do love the character of Kelsa. Uh, even with her faults and all that, she does feel like a pretty real character, and I, I do find her to be very grounded and very empowered in this movie, which is which is really great to see. I think you know she doesn't take any shit. She, she doesn't let her boyfriend put her in any kind of box. She doesn't let him exhibit any of these toxic masculine things. There, you know, she she does seem to, while struggling in some ways, like we all do, understand that she's worth something, right? Like. Like, her mom has to tell her she's she's not hard to love, but, like, she knows that it is her right to be out and proud and trans. Like, that's that never really seems in question in this movie. So that's why she's winning the Empowerment Award, I would say. Yeah, and, and I would agree. I do, I'm going to say one last positive thing about this movie. I do love that it is not a coming out story or a transitioning story. Mm. Mm-hmm. But just a finding yourself story because mm-hmm. it makes it relatable, I think, to everyone, trans or cisgender or otherwise. I think most people, especially in high school time, do have to go through a journey of discovery. You have to, is this who I want to be? Is this who I'm going to be? You know, depending how 
you know, you were brought up and all of that. I, I think these are these are questions most of us ask ourselves. So I, I do appreciate that about this story. I agree. I thought also that there was some decent, okay, decent character development in that. I like when we originally meet Kelsa, she is hardcore cuttlefish. She's like, here's why I love this animal. I also love that she just is obsessed with animals and wants to be an animal photographer in the wildlife. Like that's phenomenal uh, way to give a unique job. But then at the end, her animal changes. Okay. You don't apparently think it's very unique. I think it's unique. Yeah. Whatever. It's better than just becoming an engineer. Um, wow. Wow. I know. Sorry. Engineer. Wow. Your jobs are important or whatever. Um, but then right after he says they, he loves him, which are these the first times that these people were saying, I love you because they'd been dating a year. And I feel like that's a long time to date to not say, I love you. But she needs to think about what her favorite animal is. And then it's gone. Like, it's no longer immediately the cuttlefish. It's gone multiple months at this point. She's in college. So at least I'll say a couple of weeks. And then she makes this video that, like, is this powerful, striking animal that is really just, like, owning who it is. And I like that because it's change. And it's realizing who you are. Yeah. Another uh, knock on that empowerment award. And it's a Marsh Harrier, since you seem to have forgotten. <laughs> I did. Is it? Are we sure Marsh Harrier is not a hawk? I feel like if we had a producer, this is when I'd ask the producer to Google it. <laughs> One step at a time, homie. <laughs> Make it to a third episode. <laughs> okay, the Western Marsh Harrier is in fact not a hawk. Are very distinctive from hawks. In fact, they're long-winged and long-tailed. However, it is one of the google questions that people ask so clearly i'm not the only person who thought it was a hawk i'm done. congrats to you <laughs> okay well do you have anything else to say jess okay. i know we've gone we've gone long this episode so if you're still with us thank you very much thanks for joining us today on queer watching if you want to send us an email with recommendations you can at queer watching at gmail.com Again, that's queerwatching at gmail.com because my mom taught me to repeat my contact information twice in a voicemail. Can't wait to talk to you all next week. Bye, Jess. Bye.